so there was nowhere for them to play. It- I like everyone to know I'm smiling right now because I'm getting very angry and I don't know what else to do with it. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so just, hey, when you look at me and I'm smiling, it's, it's not what you think. We're having fun. We're having fun. Welcome to the Book Jar Podcast. My name is Marissa, and normally I'm joined with my best friend Megan, but today I have a special guest, my fabulous friend Taylor, Hi. who you may know from the Queens of Fantasy podcast is joining me today. So together, me and Tay are going to be talking about, well, some sort of book-related topic, maybe some books, maybe some book-related news, wherever the journey takes us, and that's what's in store for you today. So, Tay, how you doing today? I am so excited to be here. <laughs> like, I know you're genuine, but it sounded a little sarcastic. I'm not um, going to lie. <laughs> it was sarcastic. The absolute joke. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's super awkward for no. me, isn't it? I'm just going to go cry myself to sleep now. <laughs> I'm very Thanks excited. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> All right, perfect. So as I kind of mentioned in that short little intro there, Taylor and I, alongside Alex, do the Queens of Fantasy podcast together. Currently, when this podcast is published, we are working on Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time series. So if you're listening to this well after its publication date, we might be on to, I don't know, some other fan fun fantasy series. So that's kind of what that's all about. And if you want to hear just us talk in depth about everything, The Wheel of Time, and I mean everything, The Wheel of Time, you can go check out that podcast. It's definitely worth a listen if you really love fantasy. But, you know, I know Taylor is like more than a fantasy reader, much like myself, you know, not to call out Alex here when she's not here to defend herself, but she is much more fantasy driven. And I feel I mean, like I don't both think of she'd us, dispute that. She would she would No, she wouldn't. <laughs> she would be like defend. I would like to actually support emphasize. that decision. Yes, emphasize. I know you and I do kind of go into other genres a little bit more than she does. And so that's one of the reasons I'm really, really pumped to have you on. And we have a really cool topic too. But in a good old the book jar podcast fashion i wanted to start off with some of the recent reads that you've been partaking in my recent reads speaking of queens of fantasy just finished (laughs) finished one of those uh wheel of time books the shadow rising robert jordan yes yes so if you want to know my thoughts on that that's on queens of fantasy podcast just just maybe to spoil it too uh, that was one of the inspirations let's say behind today's topic it sure was Was just yeah just kind of changing up the pace also was was something we had in mind we we texted back forth about like quite a few different topic ideas and i said i think i said this one and you were like oh that would be nice (laughs) that would be a nice change of pace yes yes yeah also obviously have read the shadow rising because we read it literally like at the same time together yeah so i i get your feels on that one Mm -hmm. yeah so if you want to know more Queens of Fantasy podcast. That's where you're going to find though <laughs> all the information on that. My other current or latest reads, I read Legends and Lattes. Loved it. Oh, yeah. I, big fan. It was so cute. Little thimble. Oh, I just, <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> That's the world I want to live in. Just running a little coffee shop. Yeah. Right? Perfect. Like, yeah. I, I loved that for, and you know what, I also love that because we were in the middle of, I don't remember which Wheel of Time book when I read it, but we were in the middle of one of the books and I was like, this is so the opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the stakes are so much lower <laughs> and like, I'm so happy like that we, I still get the fantasy, the high fantasy world, but like, you know, worlds coming to an end versus coffee shop might close felt a little bit nice change of pace yes it was the steaks should we make cinnamon buns yeah probably yeah we should that's it was great yeah then i also read my year of rest and relaxation unhinged oh yeah that is okay that is a switch up (laughs) 
<laughs> not fantasy. Is that is that nonfiction or no? It's a fiction. Fiction. Okay. Otessa Moshfeg. Don't quote Moshfeg? me on that. M O S H F E G H. Otessa Moshfeg. Yeah. I feel like that might be right. I don't know. Sorry, Otessa stumbled over that. <laughs> but it's about a woman in New York and she decides, you know what is going to get me back on track? What's going to help me live out the rest of my life to the fullest is if I take a bunch of drugs and sleep for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That was not what I... Yeah. When you said unhinged, I should have maybe been a little bit more ready for that, but... <laughs> dang that's all right. just like a loose overview but yeah that that's her plan and all right you know what i was like that sleeping for a year does sound nice <laughs> you know what i could i could vibe i do feel like i would still wake up tired though so i don't know yeah it's true one more i read the goodbye cat by hiro arakawa yeah and sort of break down the fourth wall here i saw this on your story graph <laughs> And I was going to ask about it. Well, I don't know if you remember, I also sent you a picture of me crying to this I book. I do remember that. I didn't know if that was, yeah, I don't, I didn't know if that was a seal of approval or a warning. So I wanted to ask whether um, that was the seal of approval or a warning or both. Yes. Yes. It, yes. <laughs> both. It, yes. <laughs> it, I mean, I'm a cat lover personally. I have yeah. a cat, and it's like a collection. There's seven little stories centered around yeah. a cat, and it just ripped my heart out a little bit in the best way, also not sometimes in the best way. Yeah. But it was, if you need <laughs> just to purge your tear ducts, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that is that like, that's just. Straight up fiction. Yeah. So it's a Japanese fiction novel. Yes. Okay. Like, well, short story kind of collection. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if I want to add that to my TBR, but we all know I'm unhinged, <laughs> so I might just do it anyway. It's a so quick little one. That, it, it looks like a quick little one. It looks can, doable. You just sit down, have a cry, <laughs> move on with your day. <laughs> just, just sit down and have a cry. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess, is there anything else you want to say about yourself or your reading history? And at, at the end, just full disclosure, I'm going to ask you about your favorite book of all time, which is like not a small question at all. But nope. is there anything else you kind of want to share with the, the listeners today? Oh, boy. Um, I'm an Aquarius. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I am not limited on my genres. I like to jump around. Mm -hmm. I do like a book that makes me cry. I yeah. do like when an author kills off their characters and doesn't bring them back. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, I'm I'm a little bit with you. I think I go about it a different way. You're like cheering it on. I just don't <laughs> want to be... I don't want it to happen, but I also don't put them in risk. Like, don't put them at risk unless you're willing to pull that plug i think i've talked lots on this podcast about like sarah j moss and her inability to do that specifically in the court of thorns and roses series small spoilers for the original trilogy but she puts two characters she actually kills fully two characters in the third book and brings them both back and that just feels like a crime like <laughs> yes you have to pull the trigger on at least one of them if yes. not both in my opinion but I mean, just commit to it. Like, you're going to make me yeah. hurt and feel the things that I just need to get over that myself. I don't need you to bring the character back to like be like, ah, yes. just kidding. It's fine. Just, yes. I'm a big girl. I'll get through it. It's do okay. it. Kill them. No, I'm a big girl. I can do it. <laughs> I, I think the real problem is that Sarah J. Moss wasn't feeling like a big girl while she was writing it. <laughs> she was not able to deal with the death. <laughs> And that's your Sarah J. Moss slander for the day. So sorry about that. But let's maybe shift before I put my foot in my mouth again into our topic. Yay! Which is some favorite feminist reads that you've read. So we talked a little bit over text message here about it not just being nonfiction, but not necessarily not being nonfiction either, because there's lots of great feminist reads that are nonfiction, but just ones that gave us essentially the opposite feeling that the shadow rising gave us <laughs> for the first 800 pages which is 
that, you know, worlds where women, if we're either talking about feminism directly or we are subverting feminist like or misogynistic tropes or we're just talking about very beautifully what it means to be a woman in a way that doesn't make me feel smaller, but it makes me feel at least somewhat hopeful or heard, I think is maybe a good way to kind of expand on what our topic is about. And I'm going to throw it out to you first, although that might increase the pressure on you, Tay. I don't know which, if you have one that you wanted to start with. I don't have one in particular, but I can just grab one and go if you want. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Starting with my nonfiction pile here. Okay. Which, you know, it might give you a little bit of the feeling of a shadow rising just in that it points out some of the yeah. misogynistic things women deal with day to day, but it's a little more empowering in that it, it's pointing it out to you and then being like, hey, so like, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my first one is Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. Ah. <laughs> so it looks at what may be sort of a root cause of gender inequality and mm -hmm. the way that women are affected when data treats men as the default. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole bunch of different topics throughout the book. One of them is, you know, why women need larger washroom facilities in public places. And there's it uses a, uses an example of London's Barbican Art Center and their attempt at equality by marking the washrooms as gender neutral with urinals and gender neutral with cubicles, which mm. I see your idea there. Yeah. But the women <laughs> can only use the one with cubicles because women don't physically, a urinal is not going to work for me. Yeah. Well, for other than trans women, obviously, yes. like, yes, absolutely. But like that, you're you're still kind of, I get like, you're still kind of dividing. You're still dividing based off of, you're just basing it off of complete genitalia. Genitalia, yeah. Really. Yeah. And, and like, you know, the line, women are always taking so long in the washroom, always such a long line for the women's washroom. Well, now with the gender neutral with cubicles, men are still using that. The line's just longer yeah. situation and like why yeah. women need to use the washroom longer, you know, more likely to be dealing with children and or elderly family members helping them. Mm -hmm. A quarter of the population at any given time is on their period. All, all these reasons why yeah. and, you know, how 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 do you solve that? It's. It is crazy that stereotype that women take so much longer in the bathroom and how much like when you look at it just historically, systemically, like how much of that is just absolute bull because <laughs> it's been very much like pushed to like, oh, well, they're like fixing their hair or like something otherwise cosmetic, which to be fair, that can be why. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you we live in a society that's that does put a lot of pressure on women to keep up appearances. So even if it is that, that's not necessarily like, I don't know, when you live in a misogynistic society and then you're doing something to increase your respect in that misogynistic society, but then you're being like, it just feels like a total circular thing. But how much of the time is it just not that, you know, like you said, it, the the core of the domestic work being, you know, taking care of the elderly family members, taking care of the children, having to deal with the fact that like, yeah, many, many like cis women at any given time will be on their period, like a quarter of the population, like you said. And like, that's not a fast thing to do. Like, it's not also we we do have to go into a stall. We do have to like, yeah, that's really interesting. Yes. Yeah, so that's just one example. There's chapters on how pharmaceutical drugs are tested and whether or not like these drugs are tested for men and then administered to the whole population assuming women will react the same way when we don't mm -hmm. things like that so there's lots of interesting little stats in there yes i always find it interesting so <laughs> Did you know that, so I'm a gamer and I'm, I'm going to say this, just talking about the way that society is not designed for women. So Discord 
recently like now when you're playing online you can you can talk in a discord group on like your xbox or your playstation which is really great because i can play with my friends who have playstations and still be in a voice chat like on the xbox but if you're a woman just quick little fyi you'll want to go ahead and head and probably turn off noise suppression because discord (laughs) will suppress your voice because it's higher pitched than men's and so I was playing a game with two guys and I was talking like my mic was on. We were using Discord because the other person was not on the Xbox. And like, so I was talking and I was doing shouts like I was like, go, we got to go over here. And they would just ignore me. And I was like, this is I started getting really frustrated because I was like, why are you guys ignoring me? And then they like didn't answer that. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I got offline and I talked to if you follow my gaming podcast, you'll know him, Sacco. But I talked to him and I said, hey, like what? Like, why were you ignoring me? That was really weird. I didn't like that. Like I felt like I like we could have done a lot better if you guys had listened to me and he was like you didn't talk like occasionally we heard you but like also like you were cutting out really weird and I was like what is going on and I went in there and I turned off voice suppression the next time and they could hear every word I said wow yeah so (laughs) just FYI and is that just like automatically put on like you have to go turn it off cool yeah because you know like a lot a lot of people which like it does work really well for taking out like when people's like chomping on chips and like stuff like that but it will take out specifically my voice which is not necessarily a low-pitched voice by any means and so yeah wow. and it's it's also something that zoom was doing for a while and like other meeting-based software is if you had the noise suppression turned on it would suppress your voice wow i so hate that uh, <laughs> hate that right that actually leads me into one of my other books here okay if you're ready for that yeah off with her head three thousand years of demonizing women in power so mm. this one goes into women like political figures and such right and the part that kind of connects there is these women politicians such as like hillary clinton would mm-hmm go to speech therapy to lower their voices and and learn how to talk in a lower register to get more respect because a high-pitched voice garnered less respect (laughs) which yeah and yeah so there's there's that (laughs) little connection well yeah it's even a joke on like the big bang theory there's an episode where like sheldon attempts to lower the register of Penny's voice using positive reinforcement because he wants it to be more pleasing. Mm. And wow, like when I saw that episode, I was like, this, I mean, the show has a lot of problems in general. It's not an awesome show for a lot of stuff like that. But I was like, oh, this makes me so uncomfortable on so many levels. Like, this is just her voice, guys. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. But off with her head, it also, you know, modern day politicians talks about the clothes they have to wear like how Mm -hmm. how they have to have their hair cut you know not too short that makes you aggressive not too long that makes you ditzy like your hair has to be yeah you know that nice shoulder bob situation because that's what's gonna help you in a political sense be perceived in the right lens yeah it talks about you know it talks about lots of other points that are affecting mm-hmm. women, you know, trying to get into political office, mm-hmm. their overall unlikability of female candidates. Like it matters that people like you as a person rather than what points you're running your campaign on. Mm-hmm. Things like, you know, childcare, who's taking care of the kids if you're gonna be yeah. doing this job, which yeah. we all we all know that male candidates aren't being asked the same questions yeah exactly aren't being held to the same standard Mm -hmm. you know lots of things like that it goes into not just modern day women but in the past queens all that good stuff there's quite a variety Mm -hmm. in there and that it's you know the same the same things kind of have been happening for 3,000 years (laughs) yeah you can see it the pattern throughout history for sure so just to jump off of your like nonfiction book, mm-hmm. I have on my list The Seven Necessary Sins for Women and Girls by Mona El Mona El is like one of my heroes. 
If you want to really dissect your like intersectionality within feminism, she's a great person who is constantly talking about how things intersect in that way and how really she works at not necessarily she works at but what she's doing and what she's thinking about and and how the effects of you know the fact that you know she's I believe she's Egyptian and like she she has you know like a certain history and she's perceived this way by this group of people and she's part of the LGBTQ so she's perceived this way by this many people and how they all overlap and how you really can't essentially you can't really get rid of oppression without talking about each of these sections right Mm -hmm. and so her book the seven necessary sins for women and girls one i picked up because it is a bright red book with yellow writing and it has a purple hand on the front that is flipping you off it is very powerfully you know what you're getting into when you pick up this book like you can just see it right and So she has what she calls the seven necessary sins. And so she dictates a chapter in the book for each of them. So she has anger, attention, profanity, ambition, power, violence, and lust. And in each chapter, she talks about why it's so important to have that value and why it's so and why it's so hard sometimes as a woman to grab that and why certain women you know like the pick me style of women definitely you know use their lack of interest in it to feel more powerful even though that's never going to actually help them in the long run there was a couple chapters that really stood out for me violence was definitely an interesting one to get through it goes in a direction that you definitely don't think it's going to go and she does talk about how you know when you're in an oppressed state, sometimes that is the only option, but also how it can be used like almost constructively. Lust was interesting, but the one I think about a lot is attention because I was like, okay, like I, I think I know where this one's going to. And she talks a lot about social media in the attention one, which I was not really expecting, like kind of, but not really. And she talks about how, you know, everyone who says, you know, like, oh, social media is just ruining our lives. And she's like, I hate it when people say that because social media and the attention that people have learned to like wield from social media, this is the first time in history that the oppressed have been given a way to speak very loudly and when you say like it's just ruining everything like kind of critically engaging with what that means because you are probably part of a group that hasn't felt silenced if you're kind of having that opinion right and she talks a lot about how there's certain people on there's certain social movements that never would have gotten as far as they did without social media one she actually talks about in particular which will hit home as canadians is the missing indigenous women and girls and how that entire cause really did pick up off of social media and people who generally wouldn't have had a voice or a way to get out this information had a way to promote their own cause. Anyway, it's super interesting and it will make you mad. (laughs) It will make you upset. It will make you feel, it will remind you of all the ways that you've been made to feel small and also give you like, I feel like something to think about, something to do with it. And I really like, I love this. There was a point in my life where I was just giving this to every woman I knew. (laughs) So like highly recommend it. It's definitely not, it's definitely not an easy read. I mean, the like subtitle of it is defying, disobeying and disrupting the patriarchy. Like, and she comes in with fire. She comes in with all these sins like wielding all these sins so anyway i think that's a fantastic one if you're looking for more of like a nonfiction, how to how to fight back against the patriarchy kind of book i i do love that whole social media thing because it's easy to be either complacent on social media or Mm -hmm. you know be against it because oh it's screen time and stuff yeah and to think about all the positives that you can gain from it like think about what you are consuming on social media you can you know look for these profiles or organizations Mm -hmm. that are doing great things and reaching out to people to spread awareness 
or, you know, with the missing Indigenous women and girls, you know, they're posting pictures of women that are missing. Now maybe you see them. All the all the things that can come from that that are... The implications are just, like, they, they, just, they just multiply, right? Like, mm-hmm. that... And honestly, that chapter really changed the way I, I think about social media. And I've gotten into it with, like, one or two people who have been like, ah, just, social media is, like, the evil of all evil. And I'm like, okay, like, let's talk about that. Because I might have agreed with you if I hadn't like if you I hadn't been challenged to think about this critically because you can see the bad side of it but how can you ignore all the good the good as well like obviously there's bad and I'm not trying to doubt deny that but yeah anyway it really really is wild to like sit down and think about and it changed my social media consumption specifically and maybe not so much anymore with kind of the direction Twitter has gone in but when I read it I really like Twitter became a place for me to follow a lot of these people that actually were outside of my voice as well just to challenge you know following people that made me a little bit uncomfortable to constantly challenge some of the some of the beliefs I had. Mona Altahawe, that's not her only book. She also has like a weekly newsletter that I'm signed up for. She's a great writer. Highly recommend her if you're looking to talk about feminism, racism, intersectionality, all of that. Great resource. I also have another one. It's called I'm Afraid of Men by Vivek Shreya. So this is a memoir. Vivek Shreya is a trans femme of color and it's a very short memoir and it talks about how when she was growing up as a boy, she was perceived very much not as being like not being too feminine and also you know not not feminine enough to be you know crossing over into a girl and people calling her out on being like almost in between the two and how much that stayed with her throughout her life so far it talks really deeply about misogyny homophobia and transphobia and kind of the power that your body has when it refuses to assimilate but also the trauma that comes with that I think this was a this was a really interesting read for me because it's a really it's like 85 pages and they were like some of the hardest 85 pages for me to read because one, a lot of it, yeah, I wouldn't say it was hopeless, but it definitely wasn't like a hopeful memoir mm-hmm. where you felt, you know, oh, like everything worked out in the end. It was very still tenuous at the end of like, I still struggle with this. This is still a very hard thing for me to deal with. This is something that has stayed with me to this day. Like the trauma hasn't necessarily gone away, even if I have, you know, kind of come to these conclusions about it. But at the same time, it wasn't like hopeless either. Like there was a sense of hope in it. This one hit me really hard, like definitely made me think. I couldn't pick up another book for a very long time. Also, like I was just kind of caught up in thinking about it. Lots of great conversations just about gender in general, but lots about misogyny. I mean, this is another book that will probably make you very mad. and upset but I think it's important and I I feel like I walked away not only relating to certain aspects of it but understanding other aspects that I couldn't relate to before a lot better and like way more empathetic which is powerful I will say like when I read a short memoir like this like 85 pages and it changes my life like you use those words effectively you know what I mean like you told your story incredibly effectively to have left me in that position after 85 pages yeah that sounds like a really powerful one you know like you said for such a small page count to leave you with a book hangover thinking about these things like it yeah that would be very choice words that you know get your point across like this is this is it yeah this is what I'm thinking feeling sounds like a really yeah. good one yeah okay do you do you have any more nonfiction or are you moving into your fiction oh reads? I have a few <laughs> a few <Okay>. still <laughs> I'll break it up quick with a memoir know my name by Chanel Miller who okay. is the she was assaulted by Brock Turner. I don't know if you remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. That one was, you know, in the news because he, after all the trial and such, he was sentenced to six months in jail, three years of probation, Mm -hmm. a lifetime on the sex offender registration. And the judge said that 
a longer prison a longer prison term would have a severe impact on him yeah so not really uh acknowledging that the victim a woman chanel miller she will be affected by that for her whole life what mm-hmm. he did to her and you know that look at the the court systems and how they hand out justice or not mm-hmm. <laughs> like this poor girl will will always carry that with her no matter what happens in her life. And she wrote this beautiful memoir, you know, addressing everything that happened. And she she has done well for herself. No thanks to Brock, Brock Turner at all. Yeah. But it was another hard read to, you know, feel everything that she went through. Obviously, she went through it. So harder for her. You can, you can handle the book. Yeah. But that was... To- I had no idea she had a memoir out. So that's actually... Yeah, to hear the story from her perspective. Yeah. You know, always want, always want that. With intersectionality, touched on it a little bit there, Mm -hmm. which is a huge component of any, anything feminism, because, you know, you can't really be a feminist if you're not supporting, fighting, advocating for all women, not just white women, you know, with like the right to vote in North America, Canada, that was the right to vote was just white women. Like it didn't come for women of color, indigenous women until much later. Yeah. You know, you got to think about like intersectionality is. There is no, there is no real feminism without intersectionality because like, I, I think it's from Mona L. Holloway's book, actually. She talks about like, if, if you're fighting against oppression, you don't get to decide side like any form of oppression that still exists and i i want to say it in a better way than this but i'm going to say it in the words that i have in the moment but if if you're not fighting against all forms of oppression you're still putting yourself at risk to be oppressed like it's just coming for a different group and you will be next even if you don't care like if you can't empathize with someone else whatever that's on you but like you have to continuously fight against all forms which is really and i mean you have to think about where your privilege lies as much as where you are being oppressed at the same time and using the privilege to fight other forms right yeah even with roe v wade for example it affects Mm -hmm. all women in america could very well affect you know yeah we from canada roll over from it from in canada for sure but you have to acknowledge that it's going to be women lower income predominantly women of color you have to think about how it will affect them even more than yeah you know the middle class white woman who you know it also is affecting it just there's so many layers that have to be acknowledged and fought against mm-hmm. yep um so one of the books i read was hood feminism by mickey kendall i knew you were gonna say <laughs> this one by the way so i have this one on my shelf and i know it's gonna be a heavy read so or i've assumed it's gonna be a heavy read and i haven't picked it up because i haven't had the capacity personally to just like give it the time it deserves and the time and thought I really want to give it but I was going to ask you about this one because I was wondering what your thoughts were because I've heard great things. No it is it is very well written she's very well spoken sort of collection of essays she tells stories from her own life and goes into how they're connected to feminism and the feminist movement while pointing out the ways that the feminist movement has failed to include or address issues faced predominantly by women of color. She talks about, you know, housing issues, hunger, things that she's had to face that were, you know, intersectionality. They were these oppressive factors due to being a woman, being a woman of color, all these all these things. So she really talks about the intersectionality and I, I would recommend it was it was yeah. very good. Especially if you are not a woman of color, like get that perspective and yeah. read books by women of color and understand and listen. Yeah, things affect other people differently. Mm-hmm. On that note I have Yeah, sh- she is great by the way. I follow her on Twitter. I think she is a fantastic human being. She's very, very vocal and she does a lot of work that she probably shouldn't have to do to help people understand another perspective. And I have the utmost respect for for her. And so, yeah, I will say that. Anyway, you, I interrupted your next nope. thought completely. Nope. 
that was just a beautiful lot of thought. Mickey can glad that you said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have another book here in front of me called White Women, Everything You Already Know About Your Own Racism and How to Do Better by Regina Jackson and Syra Rao. And so these two women, they run an organization called Race to Dinner, mm. uh, where they will come over to your house where you host mm -hmm. like a dinner party. They'll sit with you and your guests and have the uncomfortable conversations on race and white supremacy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's intense. Yeah. What a job. Yeah. They that's, I the self-care afterwards must be <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to make a joke about it, but that was literally my first thought. Like, oh, that's hard. And, you know, like I said, reading books by authors of color, you there's a difference there between asking asking, you know, yeah. a person of color that you met to explain things to you. That's not their job. They, yeah, that is on you to go and learn yourself. So when you are reading yeah. books by authors of color, you are paying them for yeah. that. You are, they are doing that as a job, honestly, from the goodness of their hearts. They don't have to, but yeah, they are putting in the work to give you this resource and so mm -hmm. by purchasing that or, you know, one of these race to dinners, you know, you pay for these women to come and yeah, and have this talk with you and help you. There's a line which should be. Yeah, for sure. Acknowledged. Yes. But yeah, this is this is a good book. Definitely more focused on racism. But as we said, with intersectionality, that also mm -hmm. involves feminism. You got to look at it yeah, all. Yeah. But it is a good read. I felt like I gained from reading it. Yeah. You know, you got to take a hard look at yourself sometimes and some things that maybe go over your head mm -hmm. aren't going over the heads of the people it's affecting. And so you need to, yeah. you know, take a take Be a good, good look. My last little stretch of nonfiction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love how prepared you were for this. You were like, you were waiting. <laughs> I was ready. One of my favorite reads is Difficult Women, A History of Feminism in Eleven Fights by Helen Lewis. Okay. And so this this book breaks these sections down pretty cleanly, mm -hmm. which I did like. You know, we've got a chapter on divorce and how that is or was a oppressive tool in the way of not allowing it. Mm -hmm. Like when women had to have a solid they had to have like a specific reason for divorce and there was only certain reasons that were quote unquote justifiable. Yeah, they had to have proof where a man didn't need to bring that same amount of yeah, they could just leave. evidence to the table. They can go. And so taking that power away from women mm -hmm. is, you know, oppression. Their one section was a little bit more fun, which is kind of a weird thing to say about a book like this it's called the section is called play and it is about women's soccer which i have a second book here with me a women's game the rise and fall and rise again of women's soccer um, yeah so i'm i play soccer i follow you're women's a big soccer. soccer person i love yeah. soccer so this story follows the Dick Care ladies who were women who went to work in a factory during the war and mm -hmm. started kicking the ball around on their breaks, created a football team and went and played and like essentially in in UK started like a little bit of a women's league mm -hmm. until the football association said, no, sorry, women are too fragile for this. We know that you can force a eight pound child out of your hips but your hips might break in soccer if you get hip checked so that's not oh good it, yeah it's too dangerous the logic is logicking <laughs> they took the fields away from women so there was nowhere for them to play it i like everyone to know i'm smiling right now because i'm getting very angry and i don't know what else to do with it <laughs> and i <laughs> so just hey when you look at me and i'm smiling it's it's not <laughs> what you think we're having fun we're having fun but it this sort of section is a bit of a happy story, not entirely, because, you know, the American women's national team has achieved equal pay, but not not every team has. Yeah. A lot of women's teams are still just trying to find a place that they can practice and such. Like, there's still a long way to go. But it does, it does talk about in Difficult Women, in this play chapter, about Lily Parr, who was 
an incredible little soccer player. She did take a penalty kick and broke the male goalkeeper's arm. So there you go on the women being fragile thing. (laughs) But I did that one definitely stuck for me. And then I had the second book to to go off. Um, This one's by Suzanne Rack, by the way, A Woman's Game, which, you know, goes into more details of the dick care ladies if you want to keep reading into that and how all right how women came back into soccer which it's now it's it's still growing but it's definitely back quite a bit stronger than it was back in the 1920s and yeah you know imagine where it could be today if they hadn't been suppressed back then yeah it makes me angry to think about to be honest (laughs) (laughs) yeah most of these things are a little aggravating but sure for sure. <laughs> All right. That's my nonfiction. Was that, that was your nonfiction. All right. So I have two fiction books that I really do want to mention. How many do you have, Miss Tay? I have two fiction. Okay. Two and a, like two and a half. One's I'm curious a- what yours are. I feel like you'll know. I think we've talked about these ones. Do you want me okay. to go first? I just want you to say them because I'm just burning with curiosity. What you chose. Mako Kawakami's Breast and Eggs. Okay, yeah. And The Priory of the Orange Tree with A Day of Fallen Night. Yeah. So I have Iron Widow Mm -hmm. and Damsel, which I want to talk about. So let's start. Let's start with you. You can start with with whichever one you want. All right. Let's do Breast and Eggs then. Which I have looked for, by the way. Uh, We're not sponsored by anyone here, but if Book Outlet would like to sponsor me, I'm a big supporter. I order a lot of books from you. I (laughs) have looked for Breast and Eggs every single time I place an order. It's like my first one because Uh you talked about it and I just want to read it. And I'm going to probably have to pay full price for it, which is very sad for me. But that's okay. I feel like it's probably going to be worth it. So book outlet, if you hear this, (laughs) hit us up with a sponsor, right? (laughs) So Breast and Eggs is a Japanese fiction that's broken into two stories following a family of women, a mother, her daughter, and the mother's sister, and goes over the different feminine obstacles that they are facing. Mm -hmm. The first story focuses on the mother and daughter. They're on a trip visiting the aunt, the sister, and the mother is preparing to have a breast augmentation. Mm -hmm. And the daughter, who isn't speaking (laughs) at this point, is starting to go through puberty and all the, you know, sort of mental challenges she's facing there. Then the second story follows the sister as she wrestles with the sort of moral and ethical qualms of artificial insemination as a single woman in Japan, right? which is, you know, a very interesting little journey she goes through there. Mm-hmm. I I just like that it's, you know, just kind of a, these are just normal women and it's just a slice of life. How are they getting through these things that they are focused on? Okay. I, I love a good slice of life. And I think that's what, like, all of it has stayed with me, but specifically, like, the desire for that has kind of stuck with me. I'm going to switch to Iron Widow here. So Iron Widow is a, a book we, I, like, we talk a lot about this on the Book Jar Pod because both me and Megan are huge fans of Zhen Zhe Zhao. And Iron Widow was a book that created dystopian-esque feeling society that felt so real in the way that like there was I mean it's like fantasy sci-fi almost but the the discoveries that the main character makes about how women are not only perceived and taught to be lower and less than men but actively are kept in that position throughout the course of that novel ignited me with the the fiercest rage I've ever had during a, a fantasy novel where I was just really for the protagonist. And not only that, Jiren Zhe Zhao have to give credit where credit is due. They created a character that does not follow. Like, if you could just pretend that Zetchian, the main character of this book, read The Seven Necessary Sins for Women by Mona El Tahawe. Like, I bl- that, that's a headcanon I have. Like, this girl picked up that book and was like, I need to have anger. I need to fight this oppression with violence. Like, I, lust is absolutely something I'm allowed to have. Like, everything that was in that nonfiction book, Zetchin was like, let's do it. And I loved that she was so unapologetically 
angry at the society she lived in. She lived in a misogynistic society and she knew it and she was PO'd about it. And ha- like, I feel like we don't get that enough as female readers. Like, I don't get that story enough where we get more of the, oh, well, we have to take the high road. We have to be like better and kind and empathetic and, you know, polite as women. And it's like, no. Jiren Shijiao said, we're not doing that here. We're actually just going to light the world on fire. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. So this is a book if you want to, I don't know, every, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to do something with that feminist rage that you have and to watch somebody get to squish the enemies that have gone against them, highly recommend this read. It was it was really thoughtfully written. No, I also read Iron Widow and I'm a little disappointed with myself that I didn't pull it out here that that is that's a really good one <laughs> it's hard when you've read like like i think alex says it all the time that anytime she, someone asks her to think of a book with a specific topic she's like i've never read a book before in my life like <laughs> every book has left my brain yeah i know i'm gonna be editing this episode and we're like i forgot to talk about this one book mm, yeah yeah it's okay we can just talk about it another time we'll just have to have you back on that's all perfect all right so the priory of the orange tree by samantha shannon and it's prequel a day of fallen night kind of go hand in hand here the plot we don't really need to focus on that it's fine what happens happens <laughs> but the characters and the societies in these books i really loved their yeah. there's a lot of you know matriarchal lots of you know female forward there's a country a kingdom that always has a queen and you know, we get to meet these queens and see their thought processes. Mm-hmm. These queens are, you know, forced to bear a single child that will be a daughter that will be the next queen to keep this monster locked away. That don't love, but you do get to see the thoughts and feelings of these queens in in one book, the the queen sort of pushes back, like she doesn't really want mm-hmm. to do this. And in the other one, she accepts that this is what she has to has to do, but continues to fight. Like she's like a she's very young, but she's a great leader. She's running out and rallying her soldiers and such. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole society called the Priory that is made up of these female dragon slaying warriors that have magic and they live in this secret hidden i don't even know how to describe the area they live in yeah i'm trying to think of how to help you out but (laughs) i basically picture like almost like a like coliseum shape underground but instead of it being like a battle situation there's like a tree i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean it works well (laughs) but yeah, the way that the women are written, the way that the society yeah. feels about women overall, with the exception of, you know, the queen having to have a baby. Don't love that. But I did. I, I'm going to cut you off because that's what I do best. But Good. I did <laughs> the Priory of the Orange Tree. I, I've, I've said this before. I was I was disappointed more in the plot pacing that I was expecting a little bit. The plot wasn't great. That's yeah, that's fine. The world was really interesting. And what I did like about it, especially if you're looking at it from a feminist lens, is the fact that, you know, we have this lineage of queens who are being essentially valued for the reproduction. And spoilers, we have one who is essentially made infertile. And she, I think that set, there's a lot of interesting conversations that happen after that point of how people try to make her feel like less because she's essentially failed and she feels like less because she's essentially quote unquote failed at her task. But the idea that, you know, that's not what defines her as a queen or a woman in the end, I did really love that. Mm -hmm. And we had to get into it from almost an anti-feminist a misogynistic place but the resulting themes and moments and thought that came out of that were really interesting and I did really I enjoyed that storyline that thematic line of thinking really like a lot yeah 
the the Priory of the Orange Tree, the world. I loved reading through the world building. The, the plot. <laughs> the world is cooler than the plot. <laughs> the plot it, it was a little flat. It wasn't fantastic, but I yeah. would still I would still read it again just to be be in the world, be in the world, be with the characters. Okay, so my last one is Damsel by Alina. K. Arnold. This is, I'm going to say this is a vastly underrated book. I'm just looking at it on Storygraph right now, and it has a 3.33 star rating. And I think I'm going to explain this by saying, I think if you're going into this book expecting, it's it's just like in the wrong genre for me, because it's listed as young adult fantasy. And I read it with zero expectations. And it read to me almost like an allegory, fantasy, almost like um like a flipping of a a fairy tale or something like that. I I read it very feminist, and I think if you go into it with that lens, it is a fantastic story. It has such a great, but essentially the the story follows very similar lines of a fairy tale. So the when whenever the king dies in this kingdom, his son the prince must venture out into the Greylands, slay a fierce dragon, and rescue a damsel to be his bride. And this is just like the way things are. And we start the story with the prince as he's essentially climbing up this wall up to where he has to slay this dragon. And we get kind of his inner thoughts and why he's doing this and some world building through that. And then we move on to Amma, who awakes in his arms. And she knows nothing about her life before she woke up in his arms and you know he said he's slayed the dragon and he's rescued her and the story about how that kind of unravels between the two of them i i'm not joking when i finished this book i immediately texted alex and i said i do not care what you're reading right now you <laughs> Put have it down. to come and pick up this book and you're reading this one and she was like okay <laughs> I felt, I feel so passionately about this book. And I don't want to overhype it to people, but I will say if you're going to read this book, do not go into it expecting a young adult fantasy story. This read to me very literary, very allegory, very feminism based in a fantasy world. So you're not getting, you know, don't go in and expect like Sarah J. Moss. Because you're not going to get it. Like, that's not what this story is. I'm reading through some of the reviews and like, they're like, I don't really understand this. And I'm like, because you went into it with a way different expectation. So I highly recommend this book. It is, I just like, I want to just say it's so good again. And I also don't want to overhype it, but it, I don't want to spoil it either because I really want Taylor to read it. So <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm struggling. But the, the outcome in the story is is so worth the read and the buildup it was perfectly paced i don't give a lot of five stars and this was a five-star read for me so whoa whoa that, <laughs> that's that's heavy that carries some weight there five star yeah Jeez. yeah five star read so i heavily love that book all right taylor marissa do you have anything else <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to mention? Did you have any other books that popped up as we were talking that you want to just throw out there? Or would you like to tell me what your favorite book of all time is? I think I think I'm wrapped up on my feminist reads for now. For now? Yeah. I mean, give me like six months and I could probably have a part two. I was going to say, we could probably just do this once a year and then and just, yeah. just continuously. Because you know what that more. means is that we, we have to seek them out too, more and more. Well, Not like we wouldn't anyway, but... I think that's a good thing anyways. Yeah, exactly. I'm not mad about it. It's positive. And I've got some recommendations from you just from listening to the... Just talking to you here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Actually, I was writing down the ones that you said as well, <laughs> so... Maybe maybe next time we'll just be like, so I read all of yours and I have thoughts. <laughs> you go, <a> swap. <laughs> be cute. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So I know you didn't say you wanted to talk about this, but I'm going to make you talk about it anyway. What fine, fine, fine. is your, and I, I, you know, I'm going to be fair to you because this is a very big question, but if you have a couple books, all time recommendations, what would they be? I feel almost like a broken record because I feel like I've said this before. <laughs> but until something takes its spot, my all-time favorite is going to be The Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. yeah. I know it's been mentioned. It's, sorry, it's the best thing I've read. If someone has something that tops it, let me know. But for now, that is definitely yeah. 
up there. My my high fantasy reading is really searching out a book that promises to beat it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be years. You know what? It might be like the second installment of the Stormblade Archive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that counts. And <laughs> I'm being generous. I don't know. It's so good. Yeah, that's right. It's so good. <laughs> it is really good. I love it. It's so good. I did read the first Red Rising. I don't know what the series is called. I, is it not called Red Rising? The first book is, is called Red Rising, but I don't know if there is a name for the whole series. Pierce Brown? It okay. is the Red Rising Saga. Oh, beautiful. There we go. I have heard... Easy people say that that is like a new a new favorite and that the first book is the worst of the series but still good so i am looking forward to reading the rest of that and seeing if that how did you comes how, close. how did you feel about the first one it's definitely not like a light little cute fun read um mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's pretty graphic and violent so if that's not your jam it's mm-hmm. probably not the one for you. It's good though. Like I Yeah. It could it, maybe it was a bit much sometimes, but I still am invested in what happens. Yeah. That that may not be saying much though because I have read <laughs> entire series that I hated and just had to know what happened and was angry about it the entire way. Sorry Dark Tower Stephen King. That was a dark Ooh. time in my life. And I know people love that. And maybe I have to reread it, but I honestly don't want to do that to myself. So anyways. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting. So I just saw a TikTok this morning about Red Rising. And it was about how that I followed this one specific person on TikTok. And I I I agree with some of her opinions and I don't agree with the others. And I I follow her strictly because I know I'm not gonna just agree with her. And I like the extra like I said, the extra thoughtfulness of like actually sitting with some of the things that she points out. Uh, for example, she doesn't like these Violent Delights by Chloe Gong, which is one of my favorite series. <laughs> oh. And, you know, like when I listen to her talk about other series, I'm like that I liked, I, I will be like, oh, that's actually a good point. She had some really good crit- critique about Ninth House, for example, that I hadn't caught. But when she was talking about Chloe Gong, I was like, hmm. Yeah, we just have a different opinion. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And that's fine. But she said Red Rising was one of the ones that she thought was so super overhyped. And so I'm, I was just, I'm interested to hear that, you know, you are saying like the first one was worth continuing the series, but not necessarily great. Mm-hmm. But you have the other people saying, you know, it was like the next greatest thing at the same time. So yeah. So I, yeah, I have heard we'll that the first see where that lands. isn't the best. So I'll see if it gets better like i'm gonna i'm gonna read the next one see what happens okay any other recommendations you want to throw out there or is that it you know what every book we talked about today that's a recommendation (laughs) every go go read them (laughs) go read some feminist literature (laughs) gain some perspectives it'll be good for you do it (laughs) (laughs) all right well that brings us close to the end of this podcast. I do want to give you a second to plug some of your own socials and projects and stuff like that. But I will say for our regular listeners, this is normally where I'd be, you know, scraping the book jar for a new topic. But because Megan is out of town and enjoying some little thing called a honeymoon, how dare she? We'll be revealing the next topic with the next episode, so sorry to keep you in anticipation there, but that's just what it is. Also, I will say, I, I'm i going to do the Queens of Fantasy plug again, and I'm just going to say, if you want to hear me and Taylor talk about how much we love one character of a book and how much misogyny and sexism we can <laughs> absolutely tear out <laughs> in other sections of the book... <laughs> definitely go listen to that podcast we're having a lot of fun with the podcast i think we're both enjoying the series to the point that we want to finish it whether it becomes a recommended series or not will greatly depend on the next 10 or so books that we read (laughs) so far it's a recommend with a warning caveats (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
There's a recommended asterisk see bottom of the page. Yeah. Yeah. For but a I paragraph. Mean, <laughs> listen to the podcast though, and if reading along helps you with that. So yeah. In that in that regard, um, recommend. Yes, definitely recommend. I also hope you will check it out because we have a lot of fun. This is Taylor is part of our Discord server as well. So if you haven't yet and you are interested, please join the Discord server linked in the description of this podcast where both the Queens of Fantasy, the 2AM Book Club, and the Book Jar Pod have their home base at. So you can, you know, be part of discussions of one of those communities, all of them, or whatever you want, really. You can take your pick there. You can also just go in there and just talk about books you've read. That's totally cool. We love recommendation. Make me spend more money. That's your goal. <laughs> it's not hard It's not for hard. <laughs> I'm glad we were both on the same page there, Tay. <laughs> All right. Tay, if people are interested in finding you offline or want to learn a little bit more about you, is there a place that they can do that? You can find me at Current Tay Reading on Instagram. And I am also on at Queens of Fantasy Pod on Instagram. I I'm a I'm part of that, so I'm there. Like I said before, she's also in the Discord server. If I may say, you may want to tag her if you want her specific feedback. She That's is true. less checking the notifications there than me, you, for example. You so, gotta call me out and then I'll you gotta come but running. She will come. She will come running. <laughs> she, I will. She's, she's a single tag away. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. <laughs> all right. Well, Tay, I really enjoyed having you on the pod. We'll have to do this again, maybe a part two, or maybe we'll just talk about some like fun, lighthearted reads next time. Who knows? Sure. <laughs> All right. So everyone listening, thank you so much for listening along to this one. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it a lot, I would encourage you to leave a review of the podcast. A written review is greatly appreciated, but if you leave any sort of rating at all, we appreciate that as well. We already linked our socials. We are at the Book Jar Pod on Instagram if you want to check us out there. And the Discord server is where you can find a lot of great discussions about books. And I would highly recommend you joining there. Otherwise, thank you one last time for listening. And as always, our corny little saying I have to say, which is keep on reading on. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. It's going to be really awkward, but try to be funny. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, but make the best joke of your life right now. All right. Well, I've got a lot of trauma to dig up. So I don't know. There's probably something there. Oh, <laughs> do you want to hear some just like really corny jokes? Yeah. Make me laugh. What do you get when you drop a piano down a mine shaft? A minor. A flat minor. Oh. A flat miner should have known. That was close. Should have known. You were you were close. You you almost had it. I'm pretty good at riddles. Like not to brag. Oh yeah. I'm I'm, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> not smart. I'm good at riddles. <laughs> How awful did that feel to say out loud? Like you are really smart. I would agree with you, but <laughs> no, no. Let me let me let me let me try one. Here, we're oh god! Now I've 78 just riddles myself. for adults. <laughs> I'm not gonna get it. I what time know. is it? When? <laughs> what time is it? Oh no! Wait, these are funny. We want we want hard riddles. Oh gosh! Okay, really. Oh, do you want a funny one first to like ease into it? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just gonna okay, put my. What is thinking cap on? You're gonna do great. What is the end of everything? A G. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Uh oh, some of these I've heard before, which I am sure means you've heard them before. Okay, spelt forwards, I'm what you do every day. Spelt backwards, I'm something you hate. What am I? Spelt forward, I'm what you do every day. Spelt back backward, I'm something you hate. I'm something you hate. I was like thinking of a whole bunch of words backwards. <laughs> the only thing I can think is love and evil spelled incorrectly backwards but oh man you're so close it's live and evil
Yeah, and he wow. Will. Yeah. You were I, so close. This will be the end of me, I think. <laughs> you walk into a room that contains a match, a kerosene lamp, a candle, and a fireplace. What would you light first? A match, a kerosene lamp, and a fireplace. And a candle. And a candle. I feel like the obvious answer is supposed to be the match, but it's going to be like flipping the light switch or something. <laughs> no, the match. Okay. You're oh. right. That felt too I like clear. The obvious answer. <laughs> okay, what starts with a T, ends with a T, and has T in it? Starts with a T, ends with a T, and has T in it. A teapot. A teapot. Very good. All right. I feel like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get them all, but let's see if I can go to the end of the list. Forwards, I am heavy. Backwards, I am not. What am I? Forwards, I am heavy. Backwards, I am not. I don't think I know. Not. Or ton. Sorry. Ton. Because it's backwards. Ton. Not. Backwards I am not and forwards I am heavy. Yeah. That. Yeah. But you know what? I will say you could probably hold your own against Gollum if you had to. That. So. Honestly, when I was reading <laughs> Lord of the Rings and I would get the riddles, I had to figure it out before I yeah. could like, yeah, keep reading. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I was That's like, so I can't nerdy. cheat. <laughs> I have to know if I could do it. I... Yeah. It's fine. Would I die in this situation or not? <laughs> it really depends on the day, I think. But yeah, it's true. It's fine. 